You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. You can also find us on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. And I just want to let you know we are going to be back down to four days a week this week until training camp. I appreciate the support of everyone who uh, was was into the five days a week programming schedule, but I'm going to give you a break because you deserve it, and I'm going to give myself a break because I deserve it. Uh, we all deserve a break sometimes, so I'm gonna, I'm going to take it. Uh, Fridays are mine now. Thank you very much for all of your support. But uh, I, I just we're winding down the off season. And it's time to look ahead. And that's what today is going to be about. We're going to look ahead to the 2019 Green Bay Packers and sort of get a get a feel for where they are right now. Where is this team? Where do they need to go? Where do they want to go? And do they have the pieces to get there? Those are questions that we will interrogate over the next few months as we get to rookie camp, as we get to all of the offseason activities, to training camp preseason and back into the regular season we'll get back on a a regular schedule obviously once the regular season once again commences but what I want to do today is look at this team because this is the team this is what Green Bay is going to go into the season with and there are some opportunities you know over the next few months if there are players available to to get them and there can still be cuts both by Green Bay and others. The the Packers made some cuts on Monday. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And this is a team that obviously every year has Super Bowl aspirations. Do they have the talent to meet those aspirations? I wrote about this on Monday. You know, this draft class was a forward-looking group because there may only be one player from this class who starts in 2019, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing from the standpoint of if you have a talented team, players you draft don't have to play because the only reason players in the draft have to actually play is because you don't have better players already on your roster. So in a perfect world, you have a roster full of players you love and the draft is just developmental. And I think in some ways, that's what Green Bay saw in Rashawn Gary. They saw an opportunity to take a very talented player and say, we don't need him this year. We can look at development, and we can put together a plan to to maximize his skills. We're going to talk more about Rashawn Gary individually on his own show, uh, working on the guests for all of the rookie shows that we're doing. And in, in that vein, let's start on defense. And I want to kick off 
our discussion of the defense with this question. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Hello, Peter. What's happening? Robert from California, is there any chance that Josh Jones moves to linebacker with us drafting Savage? And the, the, this is a question that I've that I've heard a lot over the course of this offseason, even before Darnell Savage was drafted. Is Josh Jones a linebacker now with Adrian Amos? Or, you know, there were a lot of inciting factors that that caused fans to reach out with this question. But I think, you know, the reality is Josh Jones was already a linebacker. He was already playing in that position a lot last year. And the, the skill set that he has is really more, he, he can cover in man-to-man. That's probably his best skill right now. And he's a great blitzer off the edge. You want him close to the line of scrimmage. You don't want him reading and reacting. The closer to the ball with him, the better. So with the safety group, and this is this is a... A macro point here that I think is really, 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 really important defensively. Last year, Mike Patton did not have the horses. He wants to play small in the secondary. But in order to do that, you have to play big up front. Green Bay didn't have the bodies for that. Once you lose Mike Daniels, once you lose Kenny Clark, once you lose Nick Perry, and just in general, they don't have the bodies, plus your safeties don't tackle. So if that's the case, and you want to play a lot of three safety looks, you want to play a lot of dime looks, teams are going to run on you, and they're going to run on you early. Because once Green Bay, even even with all the injuries, once Green Bay got to third and long, and they got to blitz you, and they got to create those pressure looks, they were still successful, even with you know Kyler Fackrell and Reggie Gilbert, and the triple the A team that they were putting on the field. What teams realized they could do is, Either they could run on you to create favorable down and distances on second and third down, or, and this is something a team started doing a lot more, when Green Bay was playing base on first down, which they did a lot more of, once they they had these injuries, they started saying, okay, Antonio Morrison, we're going to put you on the field because we trust you, and we don't have the safeties to play these other guys, so we're just going to put you on the field. Team said, okay, if you're going to play big on first down, we're going to throw it. And that was a problem for Mike Patton. So this year, they go out and they get serious size on the edges. They replace Nick Perry and Clay Matthews. Nick Perry is a big edge. Clay Matthews is a small edge. Kyler Fackrell is a small edge. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary are huge. You have Mike Daniels. You have Kenny Clark. You bring in Kingsley Kiki. You bring back Montrevious Adams. You have Dean Lowry. You, ha- you bring back Fidal Brown. Now you have big bodies up front that can help you stop the run. When you go back and look at those Jets teams with Darrell Revis, they were huge up front, front seven, huge. And they played a lot of nickel. They had Darrell Revis. They had Antonio Cromartie. They had these defensive backs who could do the job. Green Bay doesn't have Darrell Revis. They don't have Antonio Cromartie. But... They still want to play the, those multiple safety looks. They want to play the way that they did in that first game against the Bears when they're going to play with three corners and a safety, an extra safety, or or four corners and the safeties and play with four up front and one linebacker. That's how they want to play. Well, you can do that if you've got the bodies for it. Injuries in the defensive line and injuries to the secondary were really detrimental 
to what Green Bay was trying to do with Mike Patton. You bring in Rashawn Gary. He's going to play a lot on the edge. He's going to play as an interior sub-package guy. Now you have size. And you have two safeties now, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, who tackle. Hawkland Dix was not an impact tackler. He was not even a mediocre tackler. And Josh Jones, again, from the deep position, struggled. Tremont Williams, not a guy who's going to fly up and make tackles. He was a last line of defense player. They've changed that. They've fundamentally altered the geometry of this defense by tilting the scales up front. You bring in these heavy hitters. This is something that that Todd Bowles did excellently in Arizona. They prioritized big edges. They played Matt Shaughnessy. You know, who played some defensive tackle in college. And they said, you're an outside linebacker for us. Because what they wanted was someone who could stop the run. And when you're so good at creating pressure, then you can do that with those guys because they don't have to win with speed. They don't have to win one-on-one. You're giving them free runs at the quarterback. All they have to do, go finish. And so that's what Green Bay is setting up here. Drafting Darnell Savage also allows Tremont Williams to go back to his more natural cornerback position. So you solidify two spots then because Williams can still be a backup safety if you need him with injury. But what he does is he brings depth at the cornerback group. So Kevin King and Jair Alexander are the two starters. You have Tremont Williams who you can bring in if you want. If if Josh Jackson doesn't get better on the outside and you can slide and you can slide Jair Alexander into the slot. And then behind them, you have Josh Jackson who can play outside or in the slot. You can play him as a safety in in the way that I think he was used as a safety at times last year. Cover tight ends, cover running backs. It's not really a safety's job. It's a cover job. It's a corner job. It's a way that the Packers use Charles Woodson a lot at times in, in the prime of his career. And you still have Tony Brown. You still have Tremont Williams. You have that depth. Suddenly, this team on defense has depth almost everywhere. I mean, I think the only place you can look at and say, do they really have any good players beyond, you know, the the top two guys? It's defensive line. So Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark are are really good. What do they have beyond that? I don't know. And the questions at linebacker that a lot of fans have are mitigated by this approach. This size approach, because if you are big on the corners and you are big on the line, then you can play Blake Martinez and a safety. You can play Blake Martinez and Josh Jones as a de facto linebacker. He doesn't have to be a linebacker, quote unquote. Doesn't matter what you call him. He's going to play near the line of scrimmage. He's going to play in coverage. He's going to be an overhang defender. He's going to do some things you want a linebacker to do, and he's going to do some things you want a safety to do. But what Darnell Savage allows you to do with Josh Jones is to say, we only want to put you in a position where you're going to succeed. We're not going to put you deep because that's not where you win. We're not going to put you in the box and ask you to make run fits and reads because that's not where you succeed. And it allows you to play a little bit smaller when you have size and strength elsewhere. This defense is very much improved. And I think more to the point here, it more fits the view of what Mike Patton wants to be because he wants to play big nickel. He wants to play three safeties. And he wants to be able to play four, five, six cornerbacks if he wants. 
But what you have to have is the personnel up front to make that work. And so now, even if there are injuries in that defensive line, Rashawn Gary, hey, go play five technique. Zadarius Smith, hey, go play five technique. Go go rush as an interior defensive lineman. They suddenly have the bodies. Getting size outside linebackers, guys that can be players and have been impact players along the interior, provides that, that bit of depth that they didn't have before that is insurance for the way they want to play against injury. And that part, that development here... I think has been very underreported. It's been very under-discussed, but it's critical over the course of the season because you're going to have injuries. Those things are going to happen, and you have to be ready for them. Green Bay did not have the personnel last year to do it, and it hurt them. And so they're set up this year to be insulated against those kinds of issues. Now, when we flip it around and and talk about the offensive side of the ball, there is some news to discuss here. Nico Siragusa uh, is waived, not on the team. And I think that speaks to a couple things. Number one, Lane Taylor is the immediate future at left guard for the Green Bay Packers. You don't waive Nico Siragusa if you think there's a chance Elton Jenkins or Cole Madison could beat out Lane Taylor for that left guard spot. Now, Lane Taylor is still under contract for 2019, still under contract for 2020, and there is it's a better deal for Green Bay if they want to save some money to do so after 2019. You don't get rid of Siragusa unless he's hurt because you need the depth. Clearly, they're comfortable with Cole Madison and Elton Jenkins. And so the starters at guard are going to be Lane Taylor. You hope he bounces back and looks more like 2017 and 2016 Lane Taylor than 2018 Lane Taylor. We'll see in a new system that's that's perhaps not ideally suited to his abilities. We'll see. Billy Turner is going to be the right guard. And Brian Bulaga is going to be the right tackle. Corey Lindsley, the center. David Bakhtiari, the left tackle. Jason Spriggs, the swing tackle. One of the reasons why you get rid of Siragusa is because Madison and Jenkins are the guards. You have Lucas Patrick. You still need that offensive tackle, that swing tackle. That's what Spriggs is going to be. And and like it or not, Spriggs is going to be on this team because you need that depth. And we don't know right now if those guards are capable of coming in. If they are, if it looks like Cole Madison and or Elton Jenkins can come in and play right guard if they need to then maybe you can let Spriggs walk because you can move Billy Turner over in the event of the inevitable Brian Bulaga injury. Now, what I think we'll be telling, however, is if we open camp and what we see is Elton Jenkins is at left guard on the second team and Cole Madison is at right guard on the second team because that will tell us Lane Taylor's days in Green Bay are numbered because they believe that Elton Jenkins, who is a second-round pick, is the future at left guard. If he's not competing at right guard, it's because he is the left guard of the future in the, in the eyes of the team. Because otherwise, you, you let him compete at right guard. Let him compete because you think Billy Turner is going to be the right tackle, and so you're going to need a right guard next year. Let him compete there. Instead... If they put him at left guard, we understand that he's being prepped for Lane Taylor's job. Beyond that, 
Let's look at the other positions on this team. Quarterback is not particularly interesting. We can do 53-man projections closer to the time of, you know, August. Uh, I don't think we have to worry about that right now. Uh, I'll have Jason on, and we can play our Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst uh, bit that we did last year. Even though it was Mike McCarthy, we'll have to figure out the roles for that. I know everyone really likes that bit that we do. I appreciate that. I know Jason does as well. I think the running back room is interesting. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and Dexter Williams. Dexter Williams, tailor-made for this offense, but so is Jamal Williams. And, you know, as I, I didn't talk a lot about the running backs over the course of the pre-draft process because I didn't think Green Bay was going to draft a quote-unquote traditional back. I thought it was going to be a Tony Pollard type. I thought it was going to be, you know, maybe more of a gadget player, someone that could be a passing game target, someone that could play in the slot, that could do a little bit of everything. And instead they got Dexter Williams, who is really more of your traditional outside zone runner. I mean, he's perfect for this offense. Does he get touches? We'll see. He is he is sort of this perfect blend of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. He's not a bruiser the way Williams is, but he's a one cut downhill runner. He is not elusive the way Aaron Jones is, but he has that burst in the hole. And that is not an innuendo. That is a running back trait. It's an important one. I think he's going to push to get snaps. And I think Matt LaFleur is going to give him those opportunities. We saw his willingness in Tennessee to play multiple running backs. We saw, you know, his one of his mentors, Sean McVay, his willingness to give multiple running back snaps in L.A., and in Atlanta, when Matt LaFleur was there, they played Tevin Coleman, they played Devontae Freeman, and they played Ido Smith. They played all these dudes. I mean, they spent a fourth-round pick on a running back when they had two solid running backs on the roster. So he's going to play with multiple guys. He's going to keep them fresh, and that's an important thing for these running backs, especially with Aaron Jones' struggle with injury over the course of his career. So I think you have to feel really good about this running back room, even though you don't have what I would call a huge diversity of skill. What you do have is three guys who are just just ideal scheme fits for what Matt LaFleur wants to do in the running game in particular. In the passing game, that's going to have to be sorted out because none of these guys really have the versatility to be split out wide and give you any kind of impact. And that's okay if you account for that. We, we had some conversations about the tight end position where Jay Sternberger is going to play in all of this. I think it's pretty clear he's tight end three uh, with injury. Maybe he can you know be a more featured passing game threat. He is going to get opportunities, I think, in the passing game in some capacity. I think they're going to have some plays designed for him. They're going to have some packages designed for him. I hope we see some three tight end packages, something that you know, a number of teams out there use with with pretty good success just because of the matchup problems it creates if you have three guys who can block and who can pass. You know, the task for Sternberger is going to be get better in the run game. Can he do it? We'll see. I have faith he's going to try. I have faith he's going to work on it. Beyond that, I can't say. I mean, you just you never know with the player development how much they're going to get better. I think he has the feet. I think he has the upper body strength. I think he has, you know, the length. It's it's going to be about will and it's going to be about technique. Can he drill it into his mind to get better? I think this tight end position is is a nice group. 
because you have Jimmy Graham, who's a pass catcher only. You have Mercedes Lewis, who at this point in his career is a blocker only, but you can sneak out. You can use that to your advantage, as the Packers did one time. And then you have Sternberger, who, you know, he's certainly much more of a pass catcher. We're talking like 70-30, but he can survive. He can survive at the line of scrimmage as a blocker and certainly on the perimeter as a blocker. I think you have to like his potential in this offense long term. The most interesting part of this offense, because I don't think anything on the offensive line is really that interesting. Billy Turner is going to be the right guard. Lane Taylor is going to be the left guard. What's really going to be interesting is the fight for that number three receiver spot. Because Devontae Adams, clear cut, obvious head and shoulders and torso and like probably up to his knees. Number one, no doubt. Geronimo Allison, if he's healthy, is the number two. What happens beyond that? And remember, this coaching staff is not, uh, they're not beholden to any sort of preconceived notions. These are not their players. So just because Geronimo Allison was was a starter last year doesn't mean he gets to be a starter this year. It's not how this works. You got to earn that spot again. And just because Jamon Moore struggled last year doesn't mean he's going to struggle this year. It's new coaches, new notions about what's good and what's not. So, you know, I I think Equinemia St. Brown is the most talented of this group. We talked about it yesterday. He is someone that can come in and give you wide receiver two production from a talent standpoint. Does he want to be great? Does he want to put in the work? The reason he fell in the draft were, were attitude concerns. Was he a diva? Was he... You know, he's kind of a weird guy, which is not inherently bad, not a problem. But if it manifests itself, if the aloof, if the sort of eccentricities manifest themselves as indifference, then you have a problem. You know, maybe Dexter Williams, who is apparently friends with EQ, maybe them being on the team, you've got Deshaun Kaiser, maybe you've got a little click and maybe they'll all push each other to get better and they'll keep each other accountable. We'll see. Those kinds of things can work in the positive and they can work in the negative because if you've got a little group, you know, sometimes it's easier if they're not all pushing you that you can go in the other direction. So even if you were, if you were on your own, maybe you would be doing a certain type of thing. And because you're with your friends, because you have this click, nah, let's one more game, one more battle, one more run on Mario Kart, one more game in Madden, one more drink, those kinds of things. You don't know how that's going to go. So you hope it, it manifests itself in a positive way. That's what you hope. For, for all of their sakes, because Deshaun Kaiser has to get better. Equinemius St. Brown has to get better. And Dexter Williams has to prove he can play in the NFL. Sixth round pick, nothing given to him. Day two talent, fell. Fell for a couple reasons, but attitude, work ethic, those were questions. Commitment. You never want anyone to question your commitment. So for these receivers, can Marquez Valdez Scantling is he gonna is he gonna be a niche player? Is he gonna be a deep threat only? Who can who can step to the four? Because I think if you look at those three rookie receivers, this was something that we had did a show about a couple months ago. Their talents fit this offense. Jamon Moore as a a double move guy, a route runner guy, MVS as a deep speed guy, and EQ as a size speed slot guy potentially can play on the outside. I think he just has the profile of a player who can help a team and is talented enough to do that. So here's their opportunity. Go earn it. 
because there is no clear-cut number three. Randall Cobb is not here. There is no one who is just going to get those snaps, you know, de facto. That's not here. That is by far, and I haven't even mentioned Jay Kumaro. I haven't mentioned Trevor Davis. I don't know that I need to have done that. But remember, this, this coaching staff does not have any preconceived notions of these guys. They're going to see what they see in camp and in OTAs and in minicamp and in the weight room and all of the stuff that comes along with the preseason process. They're going to get to make those decisions on their own. It's like a, it's like a student when you transfer schools or you know you went to one school for middle school and then you go to a different school for high school. You get to make your own impressions now. New kids, new teachers, new community. You get to build it. So let's see what these guys can build. All right, another show tomorrow, another show on Thursday, and then we are done for the week. Remember, four days a week now in the offseason. We're on a a normal offseason schedule now with the draft over. And there, there'll always be opportunities. If there's breaking news, if there's stuff to, to talk about, we can do that. I'm working on putting together a schedule and a list of guests to talk about this draft class. I've already got some things in the hopper, some things working. So we're going to try and get those interviews for you ASAP. I promise we're still going to do a Zadarius Smith show. Uh, I know that it's been a long time coming on that, but now we have time. We have some runway now. May, June, you know, not a lot going on in this in this time period, and we're gonna we're gonna get to have a lot of different kinds of discussions. That means also that you have to be following me on Twitter because we're gonna be doing some interesting stuff over at Acme Packing Company. Hit me up with your questions, your comments. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers and subscribe. It really does help us, and and we appreciate your support on this. But it really does help us if you subscribe, if you leave a rating on iTunes. And do me a favor and go do that. Pause the podcast. Go leave a rating on iTunes right now and, and help us out. Help other people find this show. The growth of this show has been magnificent. It, it, it continues in the offseason. And you guys are the reason why I count on you by word of mouth to market this show to other people. And that's how we've grown to this point. So let's keep it going. Let's keep it up. Do me a favor and leave a rating on iTunes. Do it on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Share a show. If you like a show, share it on Facebook. Your friends want to know about Lockdown Packers. Trust me. They need an opportunity to get their Packers fixed just like you do. And remember, anytime you want to hit us up on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. We're going to have so many opportunities to take your questions. So take advantage of the Lockdown Packers fan hotline. And always stay locked on Packers.